This is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. Today we're looking at testicular torsion. This is a urologic emergency, but the problem is that it's not always a straightforward diagnosis, and that's why this disease can be challenging. Just a little background before we dive into the presentation, the evaluation, and finally the management. The tunica vaginalis contains a spermatic cord. This normally adheres to the posterior lateral part of the testicle. If there's an absent or an abnormal fixation of the testicle and the tunica vaginalis, that can result in twisting of the testicle along the spermatic cord. Once that twisting occurs, there's reduced venous outflow. That causes vascular congestion and the testicle becomes swollen and tender. As that pressure continues to build or there's more twisting, then arterial flow is reduced. That causes ischemia and necrosis if the testicle is not detorsed. The severity of torsion depends on the duration and the degree of cord rotation. Ischemia usually occurs four to eight hours after the onset of torsion. There are some more specifics with the pathophysiology. Basically, the condition can be broken into intravaginal and extravaginal torsion. The intravaginal form is the one that we most commonly see. That's going to be an abnormal attachment of the tunica vaginalis, and it's basically a high attachment that's called the bell clapper deformity. The other form is the extravaginal form, and that occurs more frequently in neonates. That's enough on the pathophysiology. Let's talk about the epidemiology and how frequently we can potentially see this. We frequently see scrotal and testicular issues in the ED. They account for around 0.5 to 1% of all visits. Up to 15 or even 25% of these patients who come into the ED with testicular pain will end up having testicular torsion. Torsion occurs in all age groups, but it's most commonly bimodal. The most common groups are right after birth and between the ages of 12 to 18 years. However, 14% of cases can occur in older adults. The overall incidence is around 1 in 4,000 males below the age of 25. Before we get to the presentation, we do have to talk about risk factors. The first one is a bell clapper deformity. This is bilateral in up to 80% of patients. A prior episode of testicular torsion is also a major risk factor for torsion of the contralateral testicle. In most cases, the urologist will perform an orchiopexy of the contralateral testicle. A third factor is a family history. Around 10% of cases have a family history of torsion. The final one is trauma to the scrotum or the testicles. Around 4-10% of cases are associated with some form of trauma. With that out of the way, let's talk about the history and the exam. The classic presentation of torsion is a young male patient between the ages of 12 to 18 years with sudden, severe, unilateral testicular pain, there's diffuse tenderness and swelling, they have nausea and vomiting, and there's a negative cremasteric reflex. 
acute testicular pain is present in up to 90% of patients with testicular torsion. That pain is almost always unilateral. It usually occurs a couple hours after some form of minor trauma to the testicles or physical activity. Patients can also wake up from sleep with pain or have sudden pain at rest. Not all patients have continuous testicular pain. Intermittent torsion, where that testicle is torsing and detorsing, will present with testicular pain that comes and goes. Also, up to 20% of patients may come in with abdominal or flank pain alone. They won't present with testicular pain. This means that we still have to think about torsion in patients who present with abdominal or flank pain. Nausea and vomiting are also part of that classic clinical picture. Nausea and vomiting have an odds ratio that ranges between 8.9 up to about 22. However, the sensitivity is less than 60%. Patients may also present with dysuria, difficulty urinating, and fever. When we look at the exam, there are several findings that are strongly suggestive for torsion. These are mostly abnormalities with the testicle. If the testicle is torsed, it's going to be tender, swollen, the position will be abnormal, it will be high riding with the long axis oriented transversely instead of longitudinally. These have an odds ratio anywhere between 18 to over 58. Later on, you can see erythema of the testicular wall and even a reactive hydrocele. If you palpate the spermatic cord, you may feel a hard knot that's tender. That's the actual point of torsion of the spermatic cord. The last part of the exam is the cremasteric reflex. This is performed by gently stroking the inner part of the thigh. In a patient with a normal reflex, the ipsilateral testicle elevates at least half a centimeter. In torsion, Classically, the cremasteric reflex is absent or diminished. An absent cremasteric reflex has an odds ratio of up to 45 for the diagnosis. But this is not a test that can definitively rule in or rule out torsion. There's a wide range of sensitivities. One study found that up to 40% of patients with torsion had a cremasteric reflex. Also, up to 30% of patients with normal testicles will not have a cremasteric reflex. We just can't rely on this exam maneuver when evaluating for testicular torsion. Prensine is also not helpful. This is pain relief with elevation of the testicle. One study found that up to one-third of kids with surgically confirmed torsion had relief with scrotal elevation. Really, there's no single clinical history or exam factor that you can use to rule out testicular torsion. You need to look for a combination of findings. For the next part of our discussion, we're going to look at something that some of you may have heard of, and that's the TWIST score. This is probably the most studied and well-known clinical decision-making tool when it comes to evaluating for testicular torsion. This was first published in 2013 
and there have been multiple validations since that time. The first studies primarily looked at this in children. The score consists of five different components. There's testicular swelling, a hard testicle, absent cremaceric reflex, nausea or vomiting, and a high-riding testicle. Testicular swelling and a hard testicle both get two points. Everything else gets one point. The original score used a cutoff between 0 to 2 as low risk. A score of 3 to 4 was intermediate risk, and a score between 5 to 7 was high risk. Low-risk patients didn't need any further workup, an intermediate-risk patient needed an ultrasound, and the high-risk patient could skip the ultrasound and needed emergent urologic consultation. Using these thresholds, authors found a 100% negative and positive predictive value when it came to diagnosing testicular torsion. There are some other issues, though, with this score, especially with some subsequent validation studies. A second study found that one patient with testicular torsion had a score of 1, so the authors recommend using 0 points as the cutoff for low risk. A 2022 meta-analysis found that the original scoring system had the highest accuracy, and it was the most reliable. The modified scoring system using 0 for low risk had the highest sensitivity for the low risk group. It was well over 99% but it would increase the number of ultrasound exams that you would need to obtain. I don't think that's necessarily a problem in the ED, as we're all about sensitivity. The TWIST score has also been evaluated in adults with suspected testicular torsion. The key here is that if you're going to use a score, you need to ensure your department and the urologist are all on board. You also need to determine what cutoff you're going to use as low risk. When it comes to RED evaluation, testicular ultrasound with Doppler flow is the first-line imaging modality. But if you're concerned on your assessment, speak with the urologist. Don't wait for the ultrasound. Now, with ultrasound, there are a variety of findings. Ultrasound may show an enlarged hyperemic testicle, there might be increased echogenicity. Often there's a reactive hydrocele. The Doppler classically shows no flow or decreased flow velocity and increased flow resistance in the intratesticular arteries of the torsed testicle. With all of these findings, the sensitivity for torsion using Doppler ultrasound ranges anywhere between 86 to 98%. The specificity ranges between 90 to 98%. Now, that's an ultrasound performed by the technician. You can use this at the bedside. You're looking for absent Doppler flow, enlargement of the testicle, a hydrocele, but the sensitivity and specificity are not as high when we do this at the bedside. Another issue is the degree of torsion and intermittent torsion. There's complete, partial, or incomplete, and then intermittent torsion. Complete torsion occurs when the testicle twists 360 degrees or more. You would think there would be no Doppler flow when this occurs, but studies suggest flow can still be present. 
Incomplete torsion is when that testicle twists less than 360 degrees. Flow is decreased but can still be present. Intermittent torsion occurs when there's sudden onset testicular pain and then no pain. Basically, there's decreased or no flow during torsion and then normal flow when the testicle detorses. If the ultrasound is performed when the testicle isn't torsed, it'll show completely normal flow. There are a couple other findings that we have to talk about. These are all highly suggestive and they don't necessarily rely on Doppler flow. The first is the whirlpool sign. This is a twisted spermatic cord with a spiral pattern. If you find this on ultrasound, it's diagnostic for torsion. A pseudomass is also suggestive. This is a mass that's made up of a congested epididymis, vas deferens, and vascular bundle right below the point that the spermatic cord is twisted. The two other ultrasound findings are a horizontally lying testicle and testicular enlargement from vascular congestion. All of these are suggestive of torsion, and they're really helpful in the setting of intermittent torsion where the Doppler might be unremarkable. This seems like a lot with ultrasounds, but the big takeaway is that you should not use a normal Doppler to rule out torsion. Look for a combination of findings on the ultrasounds. With that, let's end with treatment. The first step in treatment is just thinking about this and doing a good testicular exam in that patient who presents with abdominal pain. If you're concerned for torsion based on history and the exam, or if that twist score of six or more is present, these patients need urology. They need the OR for emergent detorsion. The salvage rate is highest within the first six hours of torsion onset. There's over a 90% salvage rate within this time period, but it begins to rapidly drop off after this. A systematic review found that testicular survival was 97% between 0 to 6 hours, 79% at 7 to 12 hours, 61% at 13 to 18 hours, 42% between 19 to 24 hours, and around 7% at greater than 48 hours. Every 10 minute in the delay to detorsion increased the risk of non-viability by close to 5%. The definitive therapy is surgical expiration with intraoperative detorsion and fixation of the testicles in the OR. The specialist usually performs a contralateral orchiopexy as well. Now, if there's testicular necrosis, the urologist will need to perform an orchiectomy. Now, that's the surgical management. If there's going to be a delay in surgery, manual detorsion is the way to go. In about two-thirds of cases, the torsed testicle rotates medially. So that means to detorse it, rotate it laterally, kind of like opening a book towards the ipsilateral thigh. If the patient has pain relief, the testicle returns to a normal position, and ultrasound shows normal blood flow, you've successfully detorsed the testicle. You do need to keep in mind that the average degree of torsion is around 720 degrees, but this can vary between 180 to over 1,000 degrees. This means that you might need to open that book several times. If the patient does not improve, 
or has worsening pain, then rotate in a lateral to medial direction like you're closing the book. Up to one-third of patients can have torsion in a medial to lateral direction. If you are successful, the patient's pain has improved, the testicle appears to be in the appropriate position, you're not done. The patient still needs the OR for expiration. In summary, the peak age of testicular torsion is between 12 to 18 years of age, but all ages can be affected. Trauma is associated with up to 10% of all cases. There's no single finding on history or exam that can definitively rule out testicular torsion. If you have a male patient, especially an adolescent, who comes in with lower abdominal pain or nausea and vomiting, make sure to do a thorough testicular exam. The TWIST score has been validated and it might be able to help with your clinical decision-making. Ultrasound is the first-line imaging modality. Look at the arterial and venous flow, as well as the waveform for high resistance. However, don't use an unremarkable ultrasound with Doppler flow to rule out the diagnosis. You need to use a combination of findings. Torsion is a time-sensitive diagnosis. If you're concerned for torsion based on your history and exam, then speak with the urologist. These patients need emergent detorsion. If there's going to be a delay in surgery, then you'll need to perform a manual detorsion. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. 